0: Mid Ohio implies the existence of bottom Ohio and top Ohio. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. <music> Greetings, I'm RJ O'Connell, filling in for an absent, but still very much with us in spirit and in our hearts, Dre Harrison. Uh, welcome to episode 266 of Motorsport 101. Uh, this will be our episode where we talk about the IndyCar doubleheader at the Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course, which is also an IndyCar course, as you may very well know. Uh, Ryan King, uh, good afternoon.
1: Hello, and I, I like that you finally acknowledge the existence of a top and bottom Ohio, because I don't know if you did, but I watched Thursday Night Football, and we definitely got to see top Ohio, top bottom Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my.
0: Oh, wow. Ooh, this. Uh, not even a minute in, this podcast is already getting pretty steamy. Hmm. Uh, one, one major protagonist in that Battle of Ohio was, uh, was Louisiana State University alum Joe Burrow. And this leads us to introduce Chris to Hardy for this podcast. Uh, Chris, how are you feeling? Feeling pretty well
2: and fellow Louisiana State University alumnus as well. Um, y- you know, whenever someone, the IndyCar Series goes to mid-Ohio, you know, it's just like, okay, that's uh, a Scott Dixon playground. You know, let's look on to the rest of the races. Wait a minute, he didn't win either race? What the hell happened?
0: Not only did he not win either one of these races, but this championship fight's not quite over just yet. We'll talk about Joseph Newgarden, Scott Ditson battling at the front of the championship and the implications that these two races had. Some long, struggling performers uh, finally getting their due as Will Power takes his first win of the season, and Andretti Autosport sweeps a podium after a wretched season, but we've got tons of news to talk about as well, including news on driver announcements for 2020 and beyond. Sebastian Bourdais is coming back. Scott McLaughlin is finally here. We're officially racing on the streets of Nashville. Um, we've also got, if time permits, news from other series as well, so thank you very much for listening and watching. Um, the places where you can find us on social media, we're at motorsport101.com, and of course, youtube.com forward slash motorsport101. Please subscribe if you've not already, and be sure to click the bell for notifications, so that way you can be notified when new videos like this go out. If you want to follow us on our personal handles, you can, uh, at Harrison101HD, at RJ O'Connell, Ryanair King at Seat Hardy uh, and at C Buckley917. Cam is also not here. He has uh he has a new job lined up, uh, which is good to see. But he'll still be here. He'll still be here. Uh, circumstance permitting, of course. Uh Facebook.com forward slash motorsport101, Twitter at motorsport underscore 101, and support from our Patreons at patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. Helps us out a lot. It truly does. It gets us audio equipment. It helps support the show a lot. For $5, you get early access to all of our shows. For $10, you get in the supporters club of our Discord section. For $15, you get a book. You get actual literature by backing <laughs> Motorsport One. It's true. The Kick, written by our friend Trey Harrison. Um... And with that housekeeping out of the way, let's get into the Honda Indy 200 at Mid-Ohio Double Header Weekend. And Chris alluded to it that Scott Ditson has had a plethora of success and he is in the form of his career, which to be fair, he is almost usually in the form of his career, but not necessarily this weekend. Because Scott Dixon had to come a long way back from 17th on the grid after a terrible qualifying performance for race one to just barely sneak his way into the top ten in race one. And then in race two, he just spins on his own, but not before being uh, taken out as collateral in a clumsy first quarter, first lap incident. He has to work his way back to get another top ten finish in that race, and the big damage was done when Joseph Newgarden finished second in race one, and what was a 96-point lead going into this weekend has now been willed down to 72 points, and without bonuses for laps led, pole position, there's effectively 150 points still available in these final three races over two race meetings, the doubleheader at the Harvest Grand Prix at the and the season finale on the streets of St. Petersburg, Florida. No, for real this time, it's actually happening.
2: <laughs> and um, the Harvest Grand Prix, we should go ahead and just say, is allowing spectators. The Indianapolis Motor Speedway announced today that there will be 10,000 spectators that will be allowed to attend the Harvest Grand Prix uh, at two different grandstands. Where they are going to be stationed at? Uh, face mask required for the whole uh, time that you're there. But let's face it: if you're going out in public, you really should be wearing it in the first
0: place. So that, that, yeah. Damn right. So, King, yes. I ask you: um, do you think do you think Joseph Newgarden still has a shot to run this back and potentially put a late title push on Scott Dixon over these next three races?
1: Oh, it's. It's hard to say. Like, after Gateway, a lot of people kind of said that, you know, championship over, it's Dixon's title. Oh, dear. But not only did Mid-Ohio show that, hey, uh, you know, they're closing the gap to Dixon. It shows that, yes, even Scott Dixon has bad days. And a bad day could come at any venue. Even ones where Scott Dixon's historically strong at. So... It's it's not as close, like, it, it's not as close as the numbers might make it appear. That Like, you know, they they took a big chunk out of Dixon's title lead. But it's the fact that Dixon can make mistakes. That you just need to consistently put in good days. And maybe, maybe Scott Dixon has an off day, and you could catch him. Well,
2: let me put it to you this way. The only, it, this is just my own opinion. Your mileage may vary. The only way Scott Dixon loses this championship, in my opinion, is if he turns into Alvaro Bautista. <laughs>
0: mm. And it's very... Rare I don't
2: even you- watch World Superbikes, and I know that reference. Oh, Thanks, Lord. 2019 M101 Award Show.
0: Oh, hey. man. It's very rare that you see something like this happen <clears throat> to Scott Dixon at mid-Ohio, where in 15 previous starts, he had only finished outside the top nine twice, and we had won six times this track. So for him to... Only just barely scrape by with two tenth place finishes is something, and Joseph said it himself he has to he has to finish well and make the most of when Scott Nison cannot perform if he has to have any hope at the championship going into these. Next couple of races. Um, have the results here from the first race on Saturday. Will Power wins from pole position ahead of Joseph Newgarden in a Penske 1 2. Alexander Rossi finishes third. Graham Ray Hall fourth. Ryan Hunter Ray fifth. Felix Rosenquist in sits Jack Harvey seventh. Renus VK the top rookie in eighth. Colton Hurt in ninth. Scott Ditson rounds out the top 10 that it's Pato Award. Alex Palu. Connor Daly, Santino Ferrucci, Marcus Erickson, Mats Chilton, Takuma Sato, Simon Pagino, and Oliver Askew. Uh, finishers on the lead lap, Zach Feach, Charlie Kimball, Dalton Kellett, and Marco Andretti all finish one lap down in race one. But the big story from this race one, reports of Will Power's demise have been, once again, greatly exaggerated because even if Will Power has a terrible first half of the season, you can almost always bank on him to win in the second half of the year for his 14th consecutive winning season in the IndyCar Series.
2: And what's mind-blowing to me is that this is his first ever win at Mid-Ohio. In yeah. 2016, Simon Pagano bullied his way past him, coming through the final corner to win there. 2017, Newgarden pulls a, an amazing dummy move on him early in the race to get around him. This is a, a track that really should be... You know, one that Power should have won at years ago. But, of course, to win at mid-Ohio, you have to go through Scott Dixon. And, you know, Dixon's proved to you can win from last place. And, uh, yeah, this was a race that Power just grabbed by the throat and said, you're mine. You know, this is it. So, yeah, it was a great result for Power. Um, Newgar was being second and Rossi third. That's an entire podium where you've got – actually, no, the top four are all mid-Ohio winners. Because uh, Graham finishing fourth, he won there in 2015 at his home race.
0: It is, uh, it is fascinating to look at the numbers here. Willpower picking up career win number 38. And, of course, pole position number 60, which puts him seven away from Mario Andretti's all-time record, which is one of those where we keep saying we think these records are never ever, ever going to be touched and Willpower is right there at a time where he desperately needed, needed it uh, because of... Uh, because of drivers that we'll talk about later on the show. Um, obviously great to see Will Powers still on form. Penske one to finish and go and a bit of foreshadowing going into the next day that Alexander Rossi is able to pick up a podium finish in mid-Ohio because he has desperately, desperately, desperately needed anything resembling a break this year because it has not been kind to Alexander Rossi in 2020.
1: No. Nope.
0: Um, going into that race too, big surprise. Andretti Autosport, who have struggled for most of the season, not just win the race with Colton Herta taking his third career victory from pole position, but sweeping the podium as Alexander Rossi backs up third place with a second place finish. Ryan hunter Ray is third Ram Rahal and Marcus Erickson round out the top five. Then it's Simon Pagno, Will Power, Joseph Newgarden, Pato Ward, Scott Ditson with that 10th place finish as mentioned. Renus VK, the top rookie in 11th. Then Harvey, <clears throat> Chilton, Ferrucci, Askew, Davey, Veach, Sato, Kimball, Andretti, and Kellett. Those were your 21 finishers. Uh, we should point out that we did have some, um, mm, shall we say, some. Uh, some avoidable contact at the, uh, at the start of the race. Um, it was C- Colton Herta and Santino Ferrucci starting on the front row. They lunge in the corner and it looks like Ferrucci's a little bit too eager to make a maneuver, which unfortunately collects Felix Rosenquist and Alex Pallu, uh, in the process, neither one of them would finish the race. Um, King, you had seen this incident, um, Take me through this. Uh,
1: I mean, it's it's sort of a situation where uh you know, especially at a start when everyone's so close together and it uh, it's a situation where it it was sort of Santino assuming that he could just rejoin the track, no problem, continue on as normal, but when everyone's so bunched up together at, at the start and uh, you can't just rejoin the track, assuming that the guy that you're pulling in front of could just check up. Because he can't check up because there's a guy behind him, and then a guy behind him, and a guy behind him. So, mm-hmm. pretty much just put everyone in a situation where it's like, Hey, do I wreck avoiding you, or do we both wreck? And, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah.
2: Two a one just didn't work there, and... You know, it had rained earlier in the morning, um, leading to one of the road, or I think one of the road to India races actually had to run after the IndyCar race. And so, you know, there was no grip on the grass for Ferrucci. But still, when he turned the wheeler to the right to get back onto the track, it just took him right into Alex and to um, Felix there. And yeah, that 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 avoidable contact penalty was an absolute no brainer.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, He was the only driver to get uh a. so he was sent to the back of the field. That effectively ruined his race, though, not to the extent that ruined Felix and Al who just just couldn't get going. But uh, I cannot talk enough about how confident that Colton Herda looked in this race. And to be fair, when you watch these two races, these were two pole-to-win victories where the winner dominated these races. The yeah, like- willpower you sort of expect at this point, but I, I want to put it out there, and I know... Rob Miller is a love him or hate him personality, but I, I saw this headline and want to share it when it comes to Colton Herta, They don't make young drivers like they used to. They <laughs> make them better. Yeah.
1: Uh, but yeah, in terms of the racing, like, Mid-Ohio is basically America's version of Bugello, where there's only, like, one or two. Like, there's one definite overtaking zone. There's a second one if you really push for it. Uh, and no one could get close enough to really attempt uh, a move for the lead.
2: The thing about um, um, oh, I just lost my train of thought. Um, never mind, skip it. it. <laughs> you got it. will uh, <laughs> probably uh, it'll probably come back to me. Just keep going.
0: That's okay, man. Because like I. I did manage to catch some of these races. I mean, not necessarily as a classes. there was some great action in between, uh, but really you look at these races and you think that they're setting the tables for some very interesting battles uh, uh, going into the final stretch of this season, as we'll talk about here in a bit. So, as we go through these championship standings, and it's still Scott Ditson on top, as we've mentioned, but he had a 96-point lead, and again, that's come down to 72 points of an advantage over Joseph Newgarden. That is 456 for Ditson, 384 to Joseph Newgarden. We got an interesting battle for third place in the championship. Pato Ward still third on 338 points. Colton Herta and Will Power, with their victories, jumped to fourth and fifth in the standings, and another guy who had a great day. At his home track, which he is very proud to tell you is his home track, <laughs> is Graham Rahal with a couple of fourth-place finishes. He actually moves ahead of his teammate Takuma Sato into sixth and seventh in the standings, respectively. Uh, then you get further down to Simon Pagano at 220, 277 points. Ryan Hunter Ray, ninth on uh, 260. Santino Ferrucci tenth on 249. He has five points out of Felix Rosenquist in 11th. Very curious, uh, rookie of the year battle playing out because with another top 10 finish, it looks like Renus VK has a little bit of breathing room. He's 224 points, 15th overall in the standings. Alex Palu is 185 points. He's 17th in the overall ranking. And Oliver Askew is not too far behind on 181 points. Um, and certainly you have to feel with Renus VK in his recent run of form, uh, three, four top 12 finishes in these last four races between Gateway and Mid-Ohio, you feel like he is now odds-on favorite to take Rookie of the Year.
2: And it's crazy because he's the only one of those three rookies without a single podium finish. Um, Palu did very well at Road America. Uh, Askew did a great job over at uh, Iowa Speedway. Um, but you look at Alexander Rossi in 12th place. When he got out of Gateway, he was in 18th place. So yeah, this is this is definitely not where he's used to being. But you know, even Scott Dixon had a deal with two thousand and four. You know, you know what I right.
0: mean? Yeah, absolutely. He all, he gained six spots just from this race weekend alone, and that was one of the big talking points of the season coming down the line. Is you know, if it wasn't for Colton Herta, this season would be a write off. For Andretti Autosport, because you look at Ryan Hunter Ray, he's just now cracked the top ten in the standings after a couple of top five finishes. Rossi is down there in 12th, and Zach Veach, who is a major player in the Silly season, has he has not finished inside the top ten since the very first weekend of the season at Texas. Probably the only drivers that are punching above their weight, I feel, in and Andretti-related equipment are Herta and fourth and Jack Harvey, who had another solid weekend. Uh, and his 14th in the sandings.
2: Yeah, for Veach, I guess if you put in that very long sound effect, that you could pretty much describe a season with that and he at fourth of Texas and then it's just been absolutely nowhere. Um it, it's it's sad because he's you know, this is his third year in Indy autosport and you know, he, given his performances on the road to Indy the last couple of seasons that he was in there, I you know, I was expecting more top 10 finishes, but absolutely. I don't I don't understand it. I really don't. Um you know, and Marco's right behind him too. He's thirteen points down on Veach as well. Um, I, I just don't see where Veach is at Andretti Autosport next year, but I mean I'm not the one signing the check, so so my yeah. opinion really doesn't matter in that case. Yeah.
0: They are uh it's Hunter Ray, it's Andretti who we who we should also mention is uh he is twenty first in the standing. So not been a great year for Andretti Autosport in the whole. Uh, three out of his five drivers are are out of contract at the end of this year, and it's looking like James Hinchcliffe after a solid handful of performances. And can I say, he has been excellent on television, though it is still weird that he's on television when he has so much to give as a driver. Uh, it's looking like he is very much at the forefront of a full-time return to IndyCar. Which, IndyCar will be back in two weeks' time on October 2nd and 3rd. It is the return of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway road course and the inaugural, in this modern era at least, the IndyCar Harvest Grand Prix, which of course was released in Japan as the IndyCar Grand Prix of Seasons. (laughs) (laughs) I will take out bonus points for anybody who gets that obscure reference. Uh, But we had more IndyCar news to discuss, um, starting with... Um, some race announcements, um, this weekend IndyCar made it official for the first time in a long time, pending of course a shutdown from local authorities or NIMBYs, we're going to have a new street race and it's going to be in my backyard, kind of, and then soon won't be my backyard longer because I intend to move soon within these next few months. The Music City Grand Prix on the streets of Nashville, Tennessee is confirmed on a multi-year deal, and the first running will be August 8th, 2021.
1: And King, what an interesting straight course they have designed for us. <laughs> it, it has big, massive, original F1 Miami Grand Prix vibes. They're going
0: to drive over a bridge, Chris. The Korean Veterans Bridge will become... A, uh, a major landmark of this event, so too is Nissan Stadium, home of the Titans and National Soccer Club. Um, your thoughts, Chris, on this uh, brand new street track? From the ma- oh, overhead view, it looks like a ladle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Looks like a little gravy ladle. Gets you some gravy on the side.
2: It drives right by the uh, the Tennessee Titans Stadium as well. and um, Yeah. There is a former uh, public relations person from IndyCar that now works for the Titans, so I'm pretty sure she's going to be very happy to see the IndyCar series setting up right outside where she now works. Um, I've driven by that area last year on my way back home from Barber Motorsports Park. um, It's a pretty good area. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing how they arrange the street circuit. Um, Nashville's an interesting market. Um, Although, if you really wanted to do something wild... We could, in theory, go to the concrete abomination that's right outside of Nashville the next week, nope. and have and have a combination ticket, and someone from Tennessee could put up a crapload of money for someone that wins both races. I'm just oh. saying the Dolly Parton challenge. Come on, you got to come on. I can I can picture it now.
0: Oh wow, they are suggesting a Music City Grand Prix followed yes. by. Uh, a 200 mile oval race at the National Super Speedway in Lebanon.
2: Yes, yes, I'm suggesting that I'm suggesting that Dolly Parton puts up some money to have a big thing for the Imagination Library. Let's let's do something big here. Let's think outside the box here creatively.
1: We we already have a race going over a major bridge. I think we're good. <laughs> <laughs> but but at National Super Speedway, the t- the trophy for winning is a
0: guitar. That's true, but I, I, I'm sure there are plenty of guitars around. I've been to some pretty nice guitar shops in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, Don't just, bring uh, Bush to one, though. Yeah, that's true. Uh, fun, Two fun facts about this event. It's going to be one of the only major racing events to cross over a major body of water, and this will be the first new street course added to the calendar since the Houston Street Circuit uh, in 2013 on the site that was a Even though that wasn't entirely, was new. entirely new. No, not entirely new because they'd done Houston before.
2: Yes, in 2007. Well, the first site was a, a different part downtown, I yeah. think.
1: Yeah, yeah. but uh, Champ Card raced in, in that exact area. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Uh, for Mark Miles,
0: Nashville is a world-class city and global entertainment capital that provides an exceptional platform for our series, from professional sports teams and top live music acts to a burgeoning food and culture scene. It is a perfect home for a racing event of this magnitude. Urban street festivals will be coming. Huge part of our DNA at IndyCar, and this three-day festival, complete with a course that pushes the limits, will highlight everything Nashville and the sport have to offer, providing international travels, racing enthusiasts, and local thrill-seekers alike with an experience of a lifetime. Hey, at least it's not another gosh- Darn bachelorette party! (laughs) You know, one one thing I do want to bring up
2: about this, I saw a tweet about this about a a few hours after the announcement came out. The people behind this race were going to do a two-hour presentation for Roger Penske. Roger cut the presentation short after just ten minutes and said, Okay, we're going racing. (laughs) Yeah.
0: King, I have very good news for you today. What? what, And you probably know what I'm... uh, Because, you know that I know, that you know, that I know, that you are a huge proponent of the only man to win four consecutive American national titles in a row, Sebastian Bourdais, and we have missed him dearly this season, if you don't watch IMSA, but Sebastian (laughs) Bourdais is back, not just for the end of the 2020 season, which was previously arranged he was set to drive part of the season in the 2020 car things just had not worked out yet but he is back full-time for 2021 driving the number 14 for aj Floyd racing now i know it's Floyd, but king you gotta be happy that your man's is back
1: i i'm definitely happy not gonna lie when when you know it was announced that hey Foyt are gonna have a press conference tomorrow. I was worried a lot of people on social media. Oh yeah. Were worried. I
0: was a little I was a little worried too, not gonna lie, but this is this is a much better development.
1: Yes, with Bourdais being back full time. I, I I hope it isn't the usual Foyt kiss of death, because for the most part, people who race full time at Foyt, their next full time seat is not an IndyCar. Um, Assuming they get one yeah
0: <laughs> assuming assuming they get one of course but you know they they have a veteran driver that they can rely on uh, for for feedback and support they desperately need this now that Tony Kanan is moving further out of the picture and I I, and I knew that Bourdais was not going to be done because when he was out of that coin ride when he signed this part-time deal for 2020 he said you know hey I, I'm not done with with IndyCar, it never, he said it himself, the conclusion of my IndyCar career was never meant to be dictated by Dale Quinn's decision, and certainly not under the time frame that I was faced with, says Bourdais, and therefore, I didn't want this to be the end after 2019. I really want to end my IndyCar career under my own terms, and when I feel like I'm either not going to be capable of bringing something to a team that I want to be a part of, or I stop wanting to do it, or I stop being competitive, and I just don't feel that I'm there has been, uh, pretty solid in IMSA this season. Um, so, yeah, obviously, he's still got the drive and the passion, and uh, obviously, great, great champion, and... He hadn't lost seen. anything. Oh, no, definitely not. Um... But he but he will be back uh starting at the Harvest Grand Prix. Dalton Kellett's slate of races is run, Tony Cannon's slate of races run. So now it is Borday in the fourteen car for the final three races, which again the Harvest Grand Prix doubleheader on October second and third, and then Saint Petersburg to close out the season. Uh actually as the stand- team said
2: they're gonna have three cars at the Harvest Grand Prix. They're gonna have Ooh. uh they're gonna have Kellett uh there oh. as well as Kimball and Borday.
0: Oh, nice. That is a good spot. Uh, this so far in the championship, they've run five rounds at IMSA. He has not finished outside the top four in any one of them alongside co-driver Joao Barbosa. Last bit of IndyCar Uh, news looks really interesting. (laughs) Oh, boy. We were hoping. And we were so devastated when the world was turned upside down and we knew... And just assumed it was never going to happen for at least certainly not for 2020. But Chris Scott is here. It's the battle for the best Scott, who's actually from New Zealand. <laughs> only this only this one actually represents New Zealand. Scott McLaughlin is here.
1: Scotty he's coming.
0: Arrived. <laughs> I you you know
2: when I, before the, before. Everything, and I'm just going to phrase it, before everything happened, Mm -hmm. um, Scott was supposed to take place in like five or six races this year, and um, then, you know, the world lost its collective minds, and everything happened. Um, Having watched Scotty the last few years in Australian supercars, he's got such an engaging personality and is
0: so warm and welcoming love him and what other active drivers have a award on our podcast (laughs) that is given in a positive light okay okay well and not only that um
2: what i what i showed my father when um when i was at my parents house over the course of the um the first few months of this whole situation i actually showed him he's like yeah, who's this guy, Scott McLaughlin, that Penske was going to have driving for a few races? And I showed him the the last few laps of the uh, Adelaide
0: race from 2014 when he drove oh, the Volvo. Yeah.
2: And then I said... Last
0: corner pass and that and that very infamous slip of the tongue in the post-race well, and, and, I, and I said,
2: Dad, this is why people know him for those two... To, mainly known for these two things. One, for not letting Supercar's version of Jimmy Johnson rattle him and then two, for being so happy at finishing second that he just blurted out the F-word in front of everybody, and everybody loved him for it. I don't recall him ever being penalized. I don't recall him being fined for that. Well, I think um, it was-
1: number one, it's Australia.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. look. I mean, look. we pretty much acknowledge that this is a much different society. <laughs> well, and uh, okay, okay. and okay. Chris and Zane can attest to this. Look, 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 James.
2: Well, well what, I, what I'm going for here is that You know, normally sanctioning bodies have you know codes of conduct. You can't do this. You can't do that. You can't say certain things. Yeah. David Reynolds, I'm looking at you here. Anyway, (laughs) um, Bathurst 2014 or 2015, if any of you want to know. Anyway, um, but no, I guess it was because it was such a, a exuberance, a moment of exuberance. It was just a case of no one cared. And it was he. He's, he was a very likable guy. Um, I mean, unless you're unless you were a fan of Craig Lowndes in the 2018 C- Supercar season finale. Yeah. Anyway, um, this is a very good move for IndyCar to have another person from that side of the world. Because I think was he was he born in Australia? Then he went to New Zealand, or was he born in New Zealand? Went to Australia. Then born went
0: back? in New Zealand, went to Australia. Came in very very young, and uh, just some of his statistics. and I know this is Wikipedia, and this is always subject to change. But of course, he is the reigning back-to-back Supercars champion. He currently leads the standing, is well on his way to a third straight title. On the way out, he already has fifty-three race victories uh, in his career over two hundred thirty-two starts and twenty. And he has been—he's only been around since full time since twenty thirteen. He reset the record for the most wins of the season. He won last year's Bathurst 1000. Dubious circumstances or not, he's done it all in supercars. And what an excellent move this is. And just think, we're going to get Scott McLaughlin in IndyCar. We've had Fernando Alonso do a couple tours of duty. And we're going to get Jimmy Johnson. IndyCar, I don't know how they do it. But they seem to be getting guys from all different other series to at least want to check it out a little
1: yeah because I I think while the popularity for IndyCar isn't there it's still you know a tenth of NASCAR's popularity yeah, we're, still we're
0: never going to get back to where it was in the 50s 60s 70s
1: 80s what have you and that's th- there's still th- the history and the prestige behind not only the Indianapolis 500 but IndyCar itself the national championship this is this is motorsport's oldest championship by a large margin.
0: That's right. That's right. We were t- we were talking about some fun stories about the uh, the Aster Cup.
1: So and the Vanderbilt. Like, believe Cup. it or not, this year is the 99th national championship season. That's right.
0: I don't have to think college football has had a national champion that, was that long. I know it hasn't.
1: I uh, college football has had more national champions. Like it's the only sport that's had. But co- to be fair, to be fair in in college it's not football, professional. you can just
0: you <laughs> yes. can just say you're the champion if you really feel it deep down in your heart. Although let's be real
2: here, we say college football is not professional, but <laughs> you've got to play at a professional level, so especially if you're going to beat teams in the SEC.
1: But yeah, just just you know. IndyCar, by far the oldest championship, ninety nine season, uh, Formula 1's on its 70th season, and, and it's the second-closest championship. Scott McLaughlin is already fifth on the all-time wins list. Let me let me cross-reference
0: this here. Yeah, he's fifth on the championship. He's fifth in all-time series wins. Only yep. Wynn Cup, Lounge, Scaife, and Tander are ahead of him. He's ahead of Peter Brock and Glenn Seton. Yep. And he's not even thirty years old yet.
2: Glenn Seton, who, uh, for those of you who don't know, was so famous for coming so close to winning Bathurst in 1995, 19- yeah. was it ninety five, and his engine failed on his family-owned Falcon with like yeah. what five or six laps to Definitely,
0: go. Yeah, he was. He was, of course, the guy. He was like for NASCAR fans, he would basically be the the equivalent of Tony Stewart. You know, all a decorated champion, one of the best there was. He just couldn't win the one big race in the calendar every year. Or Michael Andretti.
1: But but yes. But to reiterate, Scott McLaughlin will be driving for Penske at the season finale at St. Petersburg. In the number
0: three Shell V Power Dolara Chevrolet at St. Petersburg. And the rumor is, and this is only speculation for now, that Scott's gonna be making a full-time debut and it's not going to be to replace Will or Simon. It's going to be a four car operation like it was a few years back when he had Will and Simon and and Juan and Elio and I, I, Juan I wonder
1: what car number they're gonna run considering that Joseph, yeah. Joseph won't have the one I assume they're gonna run 2, 3, and 12 Yeah, because Elio's gonna be a free agent at the end of the season uh, They're gonna run 2, 3, and 12 They don't own the rights of the four uh, <laughs> Hmm. In, uh, we'll we'll get to it. when we get to. McLaughlin's going to be in the three. In the three, but uh, yeah, they've, what, they've already posted. They've already
2: posted a picture. Of no, no. no. Gonna...
1: But what number is Newgarden going to run? I think it goes back to the two. Two.
0: He'll be two. in the two. Or maybe he could. They uh, couldn't run the twenty-one because that's Carpenter's. I'd yeah. to see that. It would have. It would have made my uh, my old Joseph Newgarden CFH uh, Racing shirt uh, timely again.
2: It's <laughs> not in the closet anymore. I can finally wear it
0: now. <laughs> look it's it's a very good lounge shirt lots of things happening in indycar and i know we will be talking about a lot more stories as this off season progresses uh we did have some news from other championships as well we want to get to since we do still have time of course again thank you very much for listening and watching and for watching us on youtube why not go ahead and Click the subscribe button if you haven't already. And if you haven't hit that bell for notifications over there, why don't you just go ahead and do that? Help us out tremendously. Um, Yeah, so um, sports cars are happening. Uh, By the time you're listening to or watching this, the 24 Hours of Le Mans will have been completed. So, in for in lieu of having an actual Le Mans 24-hour preview, we would like to say congratulations Toyota Gazoo Racing on your third consecutive 24 hours of Le Mans overall victory for driver A, driver B, and driver C. And with that said, the future is looking a lot brighter because King, the French are coming. Yes, the French are finally here, and they're not just bringing Peppermills.
1: Man, Al- Alpine's coming, Peugeot's coming. Uh, it looks like the ACL are like, hey, French manufacturers, open door. Uh, come in, please. <laughs> Absolutely. So the,
0: the Rebellion Racing LMP1 program is winding down to the end of the season. But we learned that Alpine, who, of course, are going to take over the branding of the Renault Formula One team. Uh, Alpine are going to take over Rebellion's old LMP1 program, they're going to continue that on, and their Eureka-designed LMP1 car, powered by a Gibson engine, will be grandfathered in for use in the 2021 FIA World Endurance Championship, which we do have a calendar announcement for that to talk about too. Um, Now the only problem is, how do you balance out an LMP1 with the new Hypercar class? which is meant to be much slower, much less powerful by design. And that's going to be a tough one to crack, because Toyota's Pascal Vassilon is already saying that, you know, it's not fair to us if Alpine can, have a, it can just grandfather in a car that's already inherently more powerful than the one that we're spending months and months and months developing.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if not only the LMP1s were power-restricted, but also error-restricted, like, adding in additional body work to, to, you know, lessen downforce, increase drag, like, it, it's gonna take a lot of work to handicap the LMV ones It's gonna be a little bit silly. Yeah. And I
0: know that Toyota is like, and I know Toyota's Toyota, they're, they were the only OEM that stuck around through this whole time until we got to the hypercar, until we got to this bridge to get us to hypercar. But historically speaking, King, I'm not saying that there has been some sort of collusion, but there are data points that suggest that if there is an inherent
1: bias, it's on home soil. Yeah, it's how, yeah, pretty much you see it in, in every major French sporting event, whether it be uh, the way that the Tour de France gives out their invitations heavily to to French teams for the Tour, or, you know, with the ACO and 24-hour Le Mans, be like, hey, uh, we're gonna give... we're gonna... we're not gonna let the French manufacturers and French teams win, or give them the most invitations to the race, but, you know, we're gonna help them out a bit, you
2: know? It's like that time when they had, uh, one of the prototypes had spun off, and um, you know the rule is supposed to be no more than what was it, ten meters away from the car. Otherwise, then the car is excluded. And the marshals were shoving a driver away from the car. It was a French team, and then they allowed him to go back. Like, oh, I guess his ten meters is bigger than the other car's ten meters, huh? <laughs> right. Oh
1: lord.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, so Alpine will be taking over Rebellion's spot and the FIA World Endurance Championship next year. Uh, the Signatech Alpine program, which has been so successful in LP2, they're going to take their operations and move it up to the Premier category. And, of course, when we do get Hypercar in full scale come 2022, we will have Peugeot. They confirmed their commitment to of recording, 18th of September, 2020, that they will compete at Le Mans, in the hypercar class, there was a rumor that they would go to LMDH. Ultimately, I think the big deciding factor was Peugeot has no presence in the United States where LMDH would primarily be competing. It'd be a little cheaper of course, but got to the home market. They're committed to 2022. Um, Peugeot has a very much an on-again, off-again, on-again, and off-again relationship with the Grand Prix d'Endurance, but Of course, this is pretty cool. And can I just say, because I know the concept car, the one that they revealed in the renderings, it's not going to look that cool, but it does look pretty cool. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, they said they went for LMH Hypercar. It gives them a level of aerodynamic freedom. Uh, They went over many studies. They they, They wanted to choose something that works with their concept and their choice of engine architecture. Um, and Peugeot are definitely going to make a splash when they arrive come 2022, which is about the time when we should expect the next generation of Daytona Prototype International LMDH. We still don't know what the H stands for, for Chris, uh, but IMSA revealed its next iteration of the premier category. Uh, today in a press conference as well and these cars will be racing will be eligible to race side by side against the hypercars at Le Mans. And if you notice the rendering that IMSA released, it looked an awful lot in the front of it like a Porsche. Yeah. <laughs> Cause that's been one of the hot rumors and Porsche acknowledged themselves. They saw the regulations that were published today they will have an off the shelf hybrid. They will be about 680 horsepower and about just a tick over 1,000 kilograms. They will be based on LMP2 chassis with manufacturer inspired design cues. Uh, Porsche said they're interested, and so too have a lot of manufacturers. Uh, but today we got more and more technical regulations. Uh, we got the cost of some of the parts, including the hybrid powertrain system, which was a little bit more than we had originally expected, but it's... Uh, it's, it's racing.
2: Costs are always going to be higher than what you expect. Oh, yes.
0: Um, we had dimension limits. We have power limits set. Uh, Bosch and Williams Vance Engineering are going to develop the hybrid motors. Uh, 670 horsepower, and it looks like among the... Major brands that are interested, Acura, Cadillac, and Mazda, they're still around. Um, Audi, Lamborghini, and Porsche representing Volkswagen, BMW, Ferrari, Ford, Hyundai, Lexus slash Toyota, McLaren, and Renault slash Nissan are all interested. Whether or not those plans actually come to fruition, who knows? But things are looking good and positive. We need some positive news at the very top of endurance racing. Unless you're watching Super GT, which you probably should have been watching it already in the first place, uh, I really
2: should watch more of that. Um, it's one of the only series in the world I think that has a dedicated tire war to it, which brings about a very interesting dynamic.
0: Are we all feeling good about the future of uh, endurance sports car racing? Fantastic. Are we all feeling good about our chances of taking blueberry pies to the face when Alpine wins Le Mans? Oh god! Oh god! Oh god! <laughs> Are we all feeling good about pushing our friends into the Lake Lloyd at Daytona International Speedway when it's safe to come to the Daytona (laughs) International Speedway when Uh, things calm down a little? Toki, you're number one. Oh, man. I don't know if we can leave that in.
2: I, I really hope that we can get a larger group for the Rolex Twenty Four, like for car entries, I'm talking about because yeah. you know, the Daytona Twenty Four this year, it it was missing it's a little a, thin. It, it was a little thin. Uh, there was no Nissan, um, and really, it, it, this could give a massive boost to the to the field. And I can't wait to see it
0: happen. I would I would love to see it as well. Um, NASCAR is in the playoffs. So we have one more story here. NASCAR is in its playoffs, of course. Kevin Harvick is still One of the odds-on favorites, Brad Keselowski won at Richmond. He was in the silly season until he wasn't, but a figure who is is our good friend Bubba Wallace. Formerly, as of 2020, of Richard Petty Motorsports, Bubba is now a free agent, and there have been many curious potential landing spots uh, that he has been linked with. Uh, Initially... The prevailing rumor is with Chip Ganassi Racing in the number 42 Chevrolet, which, if you believe in karma, kismet, or good things happening uh, at the expense of uh, people who've made terrible decisions, gotta say, Bubba Wallace going to the 42 car, considering who was in it at the start of this season, would be pretty awesome. (laughs) Then there was the rumor that Hendrick Motorsports... Uh, may have a seat available, because of course Jimmy Johnson is stepping away, but Rick Hendrick said whoever is going into the car is already a playoff contender, and Bubba Law sadly did not make the playoffs. But then there is one fascinating new player in the story. Gott Brothers Racing missed the Daytona 500, and that upset me because Daniel Suarez deserved better. But Daniel Suarez is stepping out of that ride at the end of 2020, and the prevailing rumor is that Toyota or Joe Gibbs Racing or somebody is going to inject a giant fucking a whole lot of cash and most importantly a charter so that they can make all the races into this Scott Brothers number 96 Toyota Camry to make it more appealing to sign a potential free agent driver like Bubba Wallace or like Eric Jones who is on the way out of Gibbs um sh- a lot of places, and we still don't know what's going to happen with the old 43 car that Wallace is going to be leaving this season. So we know that Bubba Wallace can bring in sponsors, and he is by far one of the sport's most popular drivers. Um, where do y'all think he's going to land next season? I uh, certainly hope it's at a competitive ride, something that he
1: can show more of his potential. Yeah, part of me does hope it's uh, the Ganassi 42 just on the basis of it's a lot higher profile, a lot more competitive ride than the 43. It, like, the proposition of going to the 96, like, it, part of it feels plausible, but, like, again, that line of thinking about going there, hoping for more, not being guaranteed a better ride. hmm If, here's the thing.
2: Given how 2020 has been so far, I want to see more chaos in the situation. Rick Hendricks said that the current driver of the 48 is in the playoffs. Yeah. Let's get Will Byron, switch over to the 48, and put Bubba Wallace in the 24.
0: Mm. Oh, wow. I... I hadn't even thought of that as a possibility, but I I do like where you're thinking. Now,
2: of course, this is all completely speculative. There's absolutely nothing behind this except for
0: crazy, wild 2020 thinking. Please be sure to credit at Motorsport underscore 101 on Twitter. Yeah, we
1: we, we got the scoops if it happens to be true. (laughs) And all I'm saying is that if 2020
2: does its thing, this would be the most 2020 thing to happen. Oh, and if you, once again, if you subscribe to Motorsport 101 on Patreon and back us at the back Motors podcast at the $15 level, you will get this book that our friendly neighborhood host Andre Harrison bought, and it's what I got in the early part of the podcast to bring up here. That's
0: right. We are, we are credited writers. We're journalists. So, of course, this may happen, or I don't know, something weird might happen, yeah. or I don't know what's going to happen with this, but. Um, obviously best of luck to Bubba and everybody else as they look to find new work going into 2021 because times are tough for everybody. Um, we'll be back next week to talk about, among other things, Lamar, any other news that may happen to come up, should anything crazy happen. And, we got MotoGP on this weekend too. By the time you listen to this, of course, MotoGP will have already wrapped up the grande premio della Emilio Romana
1: at Magello at Masano. I got my I got michella on the brain yeah Masano they didn't they didn't leave they they got locked into the circuit <laughs> oh no oh no they got <laughs> locked into the circuit since
2: Apple just had their recent event announcing the new uh, iPhones and Apple watches uh, I do want to bring up one more thing. Mm-hmm. Those of you that follow uh, American Open Bowl Racing on the road course side know of Jeremy Shaw and his Team USA scholarship program. Today, mm-hmm. the program announced that there are three people that are scholarship recipients for this year. Uh, Simon Sykes, unfortunately, will not be able to go to England to run uh, because he's going to be racing for Legacy Autosport and Marathi Racing in the uh, USA 2000 race at St. Petersburg. However, Bryce Aaron will be going, as well as Jackson Lee. Yes, Kevin Lee's son is going to the United Kingdom to race in the Formula Ford Festival and the Walter Hayes Trophy race.
0: Yeah, should point out that it's uh, Andy Carr commentator for NBCSN uh, Kevin Lee and not World Wrestling Entertainment superstar Keith Lee. Uh, On that note, (laughs) it's time to bask in our glory and get the hell out of Dodge Motorsport 101.com YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101. Click that button and that button. Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101. My personal handles at RJ O'Connell at Ryanair King at C to Hardy. Trey is at Harrison101HD. Cam is at C Buckley917. Of course, if you wish to support the show, you can by visiting patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. We have written pieces, we have podcasts, all sorts of good stuff. We'll be back to talk about all the racing action next week. But until then. Ryan, for Dre Harrison and Cam Buckley, for King and De Hart, for Ryan King and Krista Hardy, I'm RJ O'Connell saying thank you all for listening and we'll catch you next time. Sayonara. Later, y'all. Bye. Bye. See you. So how many blueberry pies do we need to bake?
2: I don't know. Enough to help Dre get through cuffing season. Oh god. Well, you stop. <laughs> of course not.